0: Midlife Moxie. We are a community and podcast all
1: about midlife women making this one of the best seasons of their lives. Well, I'm one of your hosts, Gail. And I'm Christina. We're going to be sharing our stories, struggles, and joys while bringing you experts on topics that you care about. And we're going to do it while having a whole lot of fun. So buckle up, girls.
0: Let's get our moxie
2: on.
1: Hey, Christina. Hey, what's going down in Cali today? Oh, well, it's going to rain tomorrow, so I'm very excited about that. And it's still sweater weather. So we're good. We're good here, here, Cali.
0: We just need to pray over the internet today because, you know, every time it rains one drop, we have connection issues. But, you know, um, the day we're recording this is a holiday of sorts here in the U.S. It's Halloween and not sure when this will will run. But I'm like, looking at this rain, I'm like, who cancels Halloween? Who makes that decision if it's a rain out? Is there a Halloween tribunal? Is this a fed government situation, state and local municipality? I mean, I was getting dressed this morning thinking about that. Well, who decides what to do? You know? Well, I,
1: I think it's the kids. The kids decide and they're
0: going to go anyway, so it doesn't and their matter. Parents. I mean, it's like, I don't mean it's raining. I mean, it's been pouring. So we'll see what happens mm. tonight. But I'm excited about today's conversation. We're going across the pond. I am. We mm-hmm. may need translation mm-hmm. services. <laughs> she and well, I, I will try. I, I,
1: I am so excited about this uh, topic, Gail, because a lot of people don't really understand what this topic is about. There is a lot of foundational pieces. Um, to how you maneuver in relationships, and to really tell a little bit more about yourself, and so I'm very Which excited. Geeks very, about very excited. This stuff. We are. Geeks. I know. We totally are.
0: Yeah. Give us a disk, an enneagram, a relational <laughs> love languages, gifts, assessment. <laughs> you name it, we're down for it. So, um, our guest today is Carly Ann, and she is an attachment and trauma informed coach. And we are going to learn about attachment styles, which is something I'm just going to tell you, I really know nothing about. Like my mind's bopping around of what we might going to be discussed, but I'm really a fish out of water here. So welcome to the show all the way from the UK, Carly-Ann. Are you ready for Midlife Moxie?
2: (laughs) I'm ready. Thank you for having me. Have you had plenty of tea today? Do you know what? I have had two cups of coffee, but no tea for me today. Oh my gosh. Is that disappointing? What kind of bread are you? <laughs> it's disappointing. well, we are, you know, it's usually tea or coffee amongst us. Tea or
0: coffee. <laughs>
2: and what would you have in
0: your Not entirely coffee? Not in- what would you have in your coffee? I
2: love a coconut latte. A coconut I,
0: latte. Yeah. Never. It heard helped that. me. It
2: was Yeah, it was my transition from a vanilla latte. So the vanilla is like those sugary, sugary shots. Mm -hmm. Obviously, the coconut is the coconut milk. So I transitioned to that. To me, it still gives me that kind of sweet element. I'm over here Mm. on the sugary,
0: sugary shots. Like give me one of those (laughs) caramel crunch venti with the crunchy toffee bits. I mean, diabetic coma. Here I come. But anyway, Mm -hmm. what? let's just go. What are attachment styles? My goodness.
2: What are they? Should we go straight in? What are attachment styles? Yeah, we're straight well, in me, kind
0: of girls. Or
2: you got to well, know let me, what let ask, Well, let me ask you this
1: really quick because we want to know like the attachment styles, but we also want to know like what got you started in this. You know, um, and and what's the background? Kind of lay the foundation for us. Okay,
2: I'll lay the foundations with that original question because I'm sure we're going to dive into this a lot anyway in terms of what it really looks like. If we're looking at attachment theory, attachment styles, this is the idea that the way we feel within our relationships in terms of our sense of security, we all have this inner, it gets called different things, inner template of how we show up within our relationships. And the style is based on the psychological concept that we are going to feel quite insecure in our relationships or secure in our relationships. We then have different styles. So I've got a feeling this is probably what we'll dive into because the more insecure experiences, they are perhaps when we haven't had the best examples of love, connection, relationships, and so that template can be ruptured. Essentially, so how secure, how we react to intimacy, getting close to people, the level that we trust that's really impacted. So perhaps we had earlier experiences where there were ruptures, injuries, experiences to our Mm. relationships, usually without good enough repair. You didn't have to be perfect. That's to the parents out there. It doesn't have to be perfect, but it means that if we had significant experiences in our earlier years within our relationships where our needs weren't met. We didn't feel safe because of a different range of experiences. It often is talked about in terms of that relationship with your early caregivers, but it can be so many other factors as well. Earlier relationships, traumas that we might have experienced.
0: Okay, I feel like I just stepped in a one of those um, quicksand pools that they showed on Gilligan's Island. Okay. I'm still waiting to run into my first quicksand, you know, because when I was a child, <laughs> we were taught that was everywhere based on the television shows we watched. But okay, so yeah. I want to go all the way back to insecurity because I do want to say this. I would love for you to talk about insecurity a little bit as just on its own. I think insecurity is at the root of so much As a a believer, I would say sin, poor decisions, Mm -hmm. bad relationships, um, poor behavior, poor um, self-talk. To me, it's just, you know, because as a student of these kinds of things, I always try to look at what's the core? What's the thing that really makes us go downhill? What's the really thing that makes us behave poorly or make poor choices? And insecurity, insecurity. And jealousy, but I think those two can go together. It seems to be just a really big driver. So, expert, tell us about that.
2: Well, insecurity, so where I'm looking at with attachments, it is when that insecurity is primarily showing up within your relationships. So we can be insecure, as we know, because I used to work specifically around self-esteem and it showed up in so many different areas. With attachment, usually I am looking at, like you say, jealousy, the feelings, our reactions when it comes to building relationships with people. And we tend to see within that insecurity that there's certain patterns we see. So the jealousy we often will see in people that might have that more anxious style. That insecurity manifests itself in terms of becoming preoccupied with an individual, another person. It shows itself in putting your happiness, your well-being into the hands of someone else. Mm -hmm. There's usually this real deep, fear of attachment loss and when this when it's this anxious attachment so a form of insecurity this person really struggles to be in relationship with themselves when they're in relationship with someone else Mm -hmm. if we move over to the more avoidant person again insecure but their strategies their ways of coping with their insecurity is slightly different well some would say it's the opposite actually I see actually quite a few similarities
1: Similarities.
2: yeah but typically then what we're looking at is someone who is extremely self-reliant keeps love at arm's length struggles to really connect with their own feelings and what They're experiencing within their inner world. So they are struggling, if you like, to seek support from someone else and to share their attachment related thoughts, feelings. So they're both insecure insecure about trust, insecure about whether love lasts, insecure about whether they're going to be abandoned and rejected. But their tendencies, their strategies, that's where they differ. The cause usually being something in the past, usually childhood, but absolutely not always. I find it really important to say that because if you go and grab an attachment book, mostly they're going to talk about the relationship with your caregivers.
0: Mm. Mm-hmm. Moms, mm-hmm. buckle up. I know we're going <laughs> to, as moms, going to take a lot of things on ourselves in this so, conversation.
2: So, and, so, oh, keep going. Well, I was just going to say, because it's such... This is one of the flaws of attachment theory when we're talking about this. It can seem a little bit blamey if it's not worded or explained. I don't like to use the word correct, but like correct way. It's so nuanced. But absolutely, when it comes to parents... Like I say, it's not about not messing up. It's is the repair there. So with this insecurity, with attachment difficulties, there often wasn't that repair. And secondly, we just have to be secure enough, good enough. Don't have to be perfect. So
0: you're saying because it's... I didn't let little J and E out of my sight, I could have damaged their little ability to attach. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. That's
2: <laughs> well, tough, do, but my this is the... no. It's so important that you bring mm-hmm. it up though because. And it's not just for mums, it's for anyone who's listening to this, that if they hear some of the patterns that we're saying, we can very quickly start to blame ourselves about this relationship that ended in the past, or how I'm acting towards my partner, or yeah, how I've damaged my children. That <laughs> And so it's just a real moment to say, we can repair our attachment styles, um, and it takes more than, yeah, a, a fight for an insecure attachment. How attachment
0: styles are there?
2: Uh, people talk mostly about four um, attachment styles. It is, um, we don't fit into one box. We can be a mixture. We can move between them. The word isn't coming to me. A continuum is a continuum. Um, but like I say, we have secure attachment style, anxious, Avoidant and disorganized. So Tell us got... about
1: the disorganized. <laughs> okay, let me the, write these this... down
0: first. I want to get there. So there's
1: secure. Yes. Yeah. Anxious.
0: Mm hmm. Avoidant. Mm hmm. And disorganized. Disorganized. This is going to be interesting. Okay. Let's, which one are we starting with, Christina? You pick. Or Carly
1: Ann. Well, I, 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 I'll say this. I, I go back and forth between avo- avoidant and anxious. Like I just know that about myself. Um, you think? But I've never. Hmm. But I've heard never, never heard. Yeah. But I'm imagining the truth of that. <laughs> <laughs> well, this is what my therapist says. Uh, but I, I've never heard the disorganized. So I'd like to start there because. Um, does it make sense to start there, Carly,
0: Anne, or or we just spitballing over here?
2: No, it's absolutely fine. Okay,
1: let's start
0: yeah. with that one. It's let's a start big with dig. any
2: of them. Yeah. So, with <laughs> disorganized, this is, and obviously, we we've touched a little bit on them already: the anxious and the avoidant. But this is the mixture of these two. Oh, yeah. <laughs> okay. I have to say, with Disorganized, however, this is the one probably that people do speak about least. It is thought to be the rarest of them. It's the one that was discovered later than the other attachment styles. With this one, this is where it's unpredictable in terms of are you going to react in an anxious way or an avoidant way. And there isn't necessarily a sign for that. It's just what comes up in that moment. It can depend on the other person, but it is quite unpredictable in terms of it being complete mixture. This person wants connection, as humans do, and they fear connection. And when we put those two together, that can be really confusing, because it doesn't get we have the feelings of both of that at once. We have that inner conflict. I seek closeness. I need closeness. But it's scary because I've been hurt. I've been let mm-hmm. down. Usually with disorganized, they have, according to you know the, the research that's out, out there, these are the ones where perhaps they're more likely to have those more traumatic experiences earlier on. So sometimes what I find with my clients is, and myself, they can move between anxious and avoidant, but don't always relate to disorganized at that level. Disorganized can are more likely to be those people who we might see um, getting involved in the drugs, the alcohol, you know, self-harm, those kind of things. <laughs> because it's that inability to really manage your emotions. It's very unpredictable. It can be that more extreme level. So I sometimes say to my clients, especially, they don't necessarily relate it to that level. So what they read in the book, they don't relate to, but they can relate to anxious and avoidant. So I just say, we're a bit of both. We're anxious avoidant. Mm-hmm. We're just a bit of both, but not necessarily do I relate to disorganized. And that's fine because we don't fit into the boxes. Well, it's, it's so funny that you say that and I'm over here laughing, you know,
1: not that it's funny, but I, <laughs> and, and it's funny to me because this is the way that I cope with being uncomfortable. So if people know me and really know me, like Gail, she knows, oh, this is her nervous. I'm I'm feeling seen, but I don't want to be seen. So she knows. Um, but I I used to avoid completely with drugs and alcohol, like just check out. <laughs> Let's just go. Let's go hard, you know, so I don't have to think or feel. And everything was like, I don't give an F about anybody or anything because I could push it away. But the inside of me was like, but I want to connect. So that is is a huge struggle, huge struggle. And now being on the other side of that and being sober for the last 14 years, I can see myself as I'm getting healthier, see myself going from anxious to avoidant.
0: Because I used to you be do very, have very different avoided.
1: coping mechanisms. Now here's mm-hmm. here's what I
0: see. I do. And we share on the show, but I see you like <laughs> you like getting close to someone, but you it seems like like I know with me particularly like close, 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 and then over the next week you'll just want to check me. You just want to. <laughs> Do something to throw up a little barrier of I just want, you know, I've got this line here and nobody's controlling me <laughs> and nobody's getting to know me all the way. That's what it feels like, like a a push-pull almost. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, I want to be mm-hmm. a friend, I want to be a friend. I bet wait a minute, I gotta draw some boundaries Jim from the hood's gotta come out. I need to <laughs> let you know. That's one of your favorites. I need to let you know. That's what it seems like on this end of that. Is that oh wow? is that well, accurate, and, Carly
2: and it- yeah yes. i mean look if, if both of you are here and that's your experiences and christina seems to agree just by the, the response <laughs> the more she laughs yes, the more that- it's true <laughs> that's our thing absolutely and i really like what you said that it's these mixture of strategies because mm-hmm. i do see with attachments we get so lost in well am i anxious or am i avoidant or am i there since so, you know, we're all a mixture of, all, I know we haven't talked about them all in detail yet, but we are a mixture of all attachment styles. All of us are a bit secure, a bit anxious, a bit avoidant, and we will have one that we primarily lean towards, too. Mm. You know, and we'll know which one when we're under stress, relationship stress. Ooh, how
0: we behave under stress, that's always the giveaway, isn't it? <laughs> that brings up the real self. So what about the others? Let's kind of do a quick run through of them and then we can kind of, yeah, I feel like I don't know what I'm talking about because I don't have any comparative yet. So which one you want to tackle next, Carly-Ann?
2: Let's, why don't we start with, because we've said we've got, we've described insecure attachment. So I'll, I'll stick with the insecure. So we also have anxious attachment. So as I've mentioned, I'll go through it as if I haven't spoken about it already, as hopefully that will clear things up a little bit. So someone with an anxious attachment are what they sound like. Relationships, getting close to people, dating, losing people as well, brings up an awful lot of anxiety. There tends to be here a fear of attachment loss They're afraid of being on their own. They're afraid of losing somebody. They're afraid of being left rejected. And they will assume that that's what's going to happen. So getting close to someone to them means that we don't don't come back together. You're going to leave. I'm going to end up on my own. And it's really painful. It tends to be very painful because they become preoccupied, struggle to console themselves. They become like detectives. Any slight shift. If you speak to me in a slight tone of voice, I'm going to notice this person needed this at some point. They were on edge, they were checking in as a way to protect themselves. This is all self-protection, but in adulthood, it really interferes with those relationships because they're completely preoccupied with the person, the relationship. And when they're in relationship with that person, especially an attachment figure, so we see that mostly with dating, but not always, then that person becomes everything. They give up their passions. They give up their hobbies. They give up everything. They give up themselves. And they really struggle to remain present. They start to live a lot in the future, negatively predicting, and sometimes in the past as well, because they're assuming this is going to turn out like the past, and they're waiting for it. Very on edge, very hypervigilant. Mm. Mm. That's anxious in a nutshell. Should I keep going?
0: <laughs> okay, yeah, keep going. I'm trying to figure out what I am so far.
2: <laughs> okay, yeah. so then, and it's, like I say, you, you might be a mixture. Then we have a imp. So avoidant tend to have that fear of attachment, that fear of getting close. Why? That fear of abandonment, fear of this not working out, fear of you taking my freedom, fear of this being too much. So their strategy is what about if we don't get too close? So they do want connection. I do want to say that, but there's this excessive Mm self-reliance. I'm going to focus on me. I can trust me, but I can't trust people outside of me. I don't trust to share my feelings because can you hold my feelings? Can you show up for me? And they tend to think no. So they're not always openly seeking that support. They're not sharing how they feel. They tend to go inwards and deal thing deal with things themselves, so they can seem quite disconnected. It's not what's going on on the inside, but that's very much that. It yeah, it might seem like they're not thinking about that person, but they're just very good at putting other things first, thinking about other things, um, keeping it from their immediate thoughts.
0: Oh, I think that's mm-hmm. my husband. Mm-hmm. Okay, okay. Because I know a lot of then times when I to, ask him one of my deep questions, which Christina knows there's a lot of deep questions, he's like, I've never really thought about that. I, that's a common phrase people <laughs> say back to me, I've never really thought about that, Gail. And I'm like, how can you not think about that? So, I, I, and I see him like, I see him like you're saying, it's, he's excessively self reliant. And he deals with things himself, and he doesn't like. I'm always thinking about things, and he's able to compartmentalize and, and just not worry about things, just not think about things. Just why would you think about that? Why would you worry about that? So, I definitely think he's avoiding it. So, I'm gonna figure is out. Is that Gail. more
1: of a, a a male trait though, because of the way culture and society has mm, kind of put that
2: on men? These different factors are always going to play a part, and I think okay. you're never going to 100% know, mm-hmm. oh, is that because, yeah, we've been conditioned to right. hold our emotions in as well? So I think you can't have that exact answer.
1: Mm-hmm. Okay, But what
2: I would say is that comes into that idea of it's not only our caregivers that experience that led to our attachment style. It can also be how we were brought up. Yeah, because I know men who does. are not
0: self reliant. Okay. They're very dependent and they're they're also controlling and they're also, you know, a lot of things that are not because my husband is not controlling in any way. He's like, do what you want to do, because that's what mm-hmm. he's going to do. And um just and he would not talk about any fears, but I know deep down there's there's some fear of that somewhere just because of things from his past. Um, but this whole self-reliant, I can see that very clearly in him, If that that's the way he avoids getting hurt. If you don't depend on anyone, they can't hurt you, right? If you don't need anything from people, you won't get hurt and you don't have to be disappointed where I'm, I'm chronically disappointed in people. He's not because he's not depending on them for anything interesting Mm
2: -hmm. and that's where we want that balance isn't it because relying on people depending on someone like we need that from time to time what we see with avoidance is a lot a lot is even when it's really necessary maybe our well-being is suffering maybe we're just going through that more difficult time in life maybe we just need support because it's really natural we see a lot with avoidance that even in those times they're still not turning to someone one, because they might not trust that they're going to be there, but also because another kind of common trait that I see is that they don't want to be a burden
0: mm-hmm. because that's what
2: mm-hmm. they've been taught, to share their feelings that makes them a burden, that put them in the way. You know, so there's different reasons why that can happen depending on our own lived experience, but yeah, whatever their lived experience is, that outcome is, I just have to rely on myself.
0: Mm-hmm. Interesting. Okay. Next, because I'm still don't, not sure about myself here.
2: <laughs> so they are at insecure attachment styles, and you might see a bit of both. So your attachment style influences how you show up in your relationship, but the relationship also does influence your attachment style as well. So a certain person can trigger a different attachment style in you. So secure attachment, believe it or not, people are often shocked by this, but most people are secure. And that's because coming back to that earlier point, actually, we, you know, the the bar to be secure isn't that high. Okay. So with secure, this is where we're perhaps looking at people who, they do have a more positive experience of love, connection, relationships their experiences have been good enough. The ruptures, the injuries, they've been repaired in a way that is enough. And so as adults, someone with a secure attachment, their expectations of themselves, of others, of relationships, their expectations are positive. You know, they're automatic thoughts about relationships are quite balanced, or they're positive, or before they lose a sense of self around whatever that stress might be around a relationship, they can bring themselves back, they can get perspective, they can observe the situation, have a conversation about it, they're happy with being single, they're happy with being in relationship, they're quite comfortable with what comes with connecting with another person, relying on someone, trusting, because they're not just assuming the worst every moment, because their experiences haven't shown them that relationships always end badly.
1: Mm. Mm. I see Gail thinking over here.
2: <laughs> yeah. So is,
1: is, it, is it safe to say, uh, once you start working, you know, working on yourself and in this arena to, to really make yourself better, or to recognize where you're at on, in in this quadrant, or I've always seen the quadrant, you know? So um, can you get to secure? Is there, is there, it, I don't ever want to say that we've arrived because I feel like it's always going to be a work in progress based on, you know, the hurts that you've had, because I think that those things will, you know, rear their ugly head when you're under pressure. But it's, it's our, it, It's an invitation to say, okay, whoa, let's take a step back. And is this really true? And then can we get to that secure spot? Does that make sense? The question I'm asking.
2: Yeah. So can we move from insecure to secure? Mm -hmm. And the answer is certainly in my opinion, because I know that there's been differing opinions over the years, Mm -hmm. but it seems to be coming clearer and clearer that yes, we can move towards a more secure attachment style. I have experienced that personally. Okay. I see that happening. There are factors that influence it and support it more because I've heard along the line that more people won't move towards secure than people that do. But that's more about who's going to do the work. That's more Mm. about who is going to step into the factors that it takes for us to move Towards a more secure attachment, because it's not easy. We know that it's changing yeah. habits. Yeah, but yeah. Yes, you can.
1: Yes, you can. Awesome. Gail's still trying to figure it out. If you guys could see her little face, just <laughs> pondering. The light bulbs are just not, not blinking yet. She's all, "What am I?" <laughs> I you can I'm do su- quizzes. I'm still surprised
0: that most people are secure. I'm kind of hung up on that because I don't see people behave in that manner. Sorry, Ranger's got an opinion on it.
2: (laughs) I know. I still struggle with it. And and actually, any training that I've ever had, which is a lot, the teacher will always start with, it's shocking, but... (laughs) So maybe we are just looking at what's recorded, right? Mm. Well, do you feel like...
1: Because in the avoidant quadrant, I think that if you're not... If you're if, if you're so like uh, avoiding to have other people help you, right? You're just super self-reliant. You're relying on your own feelings. You're you're you struggle to connect. W- why would there be any kind of information or in-depth information about this particular quadrant? Because people are like, Well, this is mine, I'm gonna carry it, you
2: know? Because people with avoidant attachment do actually seek help. Oh, okay. It's like a myth that they don't. Perhaps it is true that people with an anxious attachment reach out more (laughs) and seek that support more. But I think a lot of that is actually to do with the pain involved. It's often the person with the anxious attachment that's on YouTube finding the videos, you know, seeking the answers because they want to get out of this pain. But actually, people with avoidant attachment, we think of any habit that we can get stuck in. When that pain starts to become too much, at some point we start, look, I'm saying that like it's everyone. We have those wake up moments though. Mm -hmm. And that goes for the person who's avoidant who's saying, I'm really noticing that I've got this need for connection, but I'm also so picky and I'm also pushing people away or I'm really noticing that I need help, but I'm just a people pleaser and I can't seem to ask for help. There's a point where we can begin to wake up. Yeah, because I feel that information is there. Then, yeah, I feel
1: like I started in that avoidant quadrant, and as I have been working to get better, I started to kind of go into this anxious quadrant, and then I I was like, I don't
0: like. So, is there a goal to get to the secure quadrant? Is that where we want to be? Is that the thing? (laughs)
2: <laughs> I mean, it is nicer. It definitely feels happier. You know, I've got to know like, what the goal know, is, Carly-Ann. <laughs> i got to know what we're working towards so
0: I can fix that and get some of those videos and
2: fix it. I guess I'm thinking... <laughs> we want to be, be secure. It's less painful.
0: <laughs> okay, I'm going to go back to anxious because uh, this is the one that's resonating with me. So you tell me, when you say preoccupied, here's how that would look. If, if This is where I'm thinking I might be. If someone hurts me or there's conflict with someone, I will obsess on that until there's resolution <gasps> or a good amount of time passes. And I, for lack of a better term, calm down, get distracted, soothe, whatever. And when I'm at that <laughs> very, shut up, Christina, very, <laughs> very height of it, I I, I am struggled to console. There's nothing you're going to tell me that is going to make it feel better or seem better at that moment, unless it's resolved with the person. Um, and uh, definitely a detective. I will recount every conversation we've ever had and go tally the scores in all the boxes. And you... Just for those listening, you only get one point for good things, but you get ten point deductions for anything <laughs> negative that you do to me just just to know how that works out. And I can get hyper vigilant if if I've already been prompted by distrust, if something has piqued my interest that you may not be trustworthy, then I'm gonna start to take apart every sentence you say because my fear is the loss. And there's been loss, especially when it comes to friendships of, I don't have sisters. I don't have biological daughters and my mother's deceased. So I really have a empty space in my heart and a craving for deep, deep female relationships. And even when my mom was alive, she was not your friend mom. She was your, I'll bust your butt mom. She was, you know, mentor, wise elder, all those things, but she wasn't your friendly girl. Hey, let's talk about things, girl. She wasn't. So, I think I've craved that for a very, very long time, especially <laughs> growing up. You know, I had her and then I had my father and my brother in the home. So, I was always seeking this very close female relationship and been very hurt several times by people that I thought were like a sister to me. So, I have this weird mix when I meet someone new. Anxious is a perfect word for it because I get super excited When I start to see I've got connection with somebody and I just really like them. Like, I really want to like people and I really want to get close to them. But then there's part of me going, you know what's going to happen. You're going to eventually find things you don't like about them. They're probably going to betray you. It's not as good as you think. You better watch out. So, Carly Ann, is that anxious? Is that the anxious connection type?
2: I have. There's definitely words in there that I would be thinking, yeah, okay, so the obsession, the detective work, that level of kind of fantasy initially of this is it, this is that connection. Because often with anxious, we're trying to fix that past or feel that gap, What well, depending on what it is that we've experienced. it There's yeah tendencies to just make up for what we Feel a loss around what I'm curious about with your situation is as you become that detective and here's the thing with the anxious attachment they usually will find what they're looking for because a lot of the perceptions sometimes aren't accurate I'm not saying they're never accurate they can be but there's no room for people to be human because they're letting me down if someone cancels let's say or changes a plan that's letting me down there's also no room to be human Because people are going to let you down, you know, Um, from time to time. Obviously, we don't want that all the time, just putting that in there for my anxious attachers. I am curious, though, if you do discover, well, yep, they're letting me down. They've not done this, they've changed in that way. Do you have an ability to then cut them off?
0: Ooh, I I, I think I do. I I can um, (laughs) work with a big hatchet because there becomes this need to protect myself, but I will mourn. And the deeper the relationship is, the longer it's been in place, I will mourn it. And I will hope for resolution. I will try to get resolution and, you know, reconnection. I really want to. And when that doesn't happen, I just mourn it. I just, it just makes me so sad and so just at a loss is the only way I know to describe it. And I'm thinking about, you know, so a lot of these things happen in childhood and caregivers. I mean, my parents weren't mean to me. I wasn't abused per se, but they they could be harsh sometimes with you know, they were strict and you know, they didn't sugarcoat things. But what I do remember about as far as relationships is I I remember being hurt a lot, like maybe didn't get invited to the party or I was the kid at the party that people made fun of for whatever reason. Um, didn't grow up particularly um, wealthy, although my parents were actually more secure than most would have thought. Um, didn't necessarily have, you know, the designer clothes that maybe the other kids have because my mom just didn't play that game. She's like, these jeans are good enough, put them on, go to school, shut up. Um, so I think there are some definite wounds there. I was made fun in middle school. I was called frizz for my hair, um, which i are probably going to see today because it's starting to frizz because it's raining. So, but you know, there were, there were some times where I felt very much left out, not part of the group. And the times that I was part of the group, it was based on accomplishment and achievement. Not based on someone truly liking me for who I was. So, an example that I was accepted with the girls on my softball team because I was one of the best players. And they weren't accepting me because they just liked me. I was just, I'll just say, I was just a badass in that arena. So, those girls tend to hang together. So, I think there are definitely some gaping wounds there of friendship. Like, I don't remember. It it feels like it was a long time before I truly had a real best friend. And I remember always wanting not just friends. I wanted best friends. I wanted really close friends. And I seek those kind of relationships. I'm really not here to just kind of BS and, you know, I, I really want deep relationships. And I don't, I don't don't enjoy that much or really treasure anything that's not deep and real and kind of pure, I guess, for lack of a better word. Carly mm-hmm. Ann's face and now. Her face is now.
2: She's no. like, this girl <laughs> is crazy. No, honestly, you wouldn't believe how so many of us – walking around with these experiences and that's why platforms like this are just so incredible you know because that experience on a young nervous system a young mind that's when we are shaped that's when we develop our expectations around relationships ourselves and other people and if we walk out of that feeling like I'm on edge I don't know when I'm going to be in trouble. I don't know when I'm going to be criticized, but I am expecting it. I don't fit in or I'm not accepted unless X, Y, and Z. We go into adulthood, not only still believing in that. I need to be X, Y, and Z to be accepted. Mm -hmm. Or, you know, not being in relationship with someone else means that I'm a bad person, means that I'm not good enough. That becomes our key focus. Not good enough has been a
0: theme for me. Not good enough.
2: Yeah, not good enough. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And we see that in the secure. You know, If we go back to the beginning when you were saying insecurities everywhere, we see not good enough in secure as well. But in insecure attachment, avoidant anxious, we see it just particularly in relation to attachment. When it comes to building friendships, When it comes to me, you know, amongst my colleagues at work in romantic relationships as well, we see it show up a lot, but not always. And we are, one, chasing whatever it is we needed when we were younger, where that need was not met. We're chasing that, you know, that friendship, that fantasy of that friendship that you talk about, that it needs to be pure. It needs to be bliss, because there's something in you that craves that so deeply understandably from what you've just shared with us understandably and then it's we come back and begin to i know this is such a buzzword but reparent that part reparent that mm-hmm. younger belief that we're we're carrying I think around for with me us. too a
0: lot of it's based on conditionality because i did grow up feeling like i had to please my parents and perform in certain ways there was a performative based affection there And I did not grow up thinking they loved and liked, you know, because there's a difference in loving and liking. They loved me because I was their child, but did they really like me as a person? I did not feel that they did necessarily. So there was always Mm, performance to be a good student, a good athlete, a good girl, good, good, good. So I would be enough, I would be liked enough. And I was 54 years old when I realized you have been trying all this time to be good enough. I, I stopped that today to be good enough for this person. And I just had to draw some boundaries. And I've had to start to look at that in relationships. Like, why do I have to be good enough, but other people get to be less than perfect? You know, that's, that was a big struggle for me. And so I'd love to dive more into that. We need to take a quick break to thank those who make our show possible. We'll be right back. Hello, it's your girl, Gail, here. Have you ever walked into your closet and thought, I have nothing to wear? Do you ever feel frumpy or like the clothes you're wearing don't represent who you really are? Or maybe you've experienced a lifestyle change, maybe a job change, weight loss or gain, a divorce, a new dating situation. Whatever it is, if you need help looking your best, I'm your girl. I'd like to tell you about my personalized style and wardrobe planning package. This package includes a visit to your style where we figure out who you really are and how your outside can represent your inside. We talk about body shape and the image that you want to present there and what styles and shapes will work best for you. We also talk about your signature colors and what things are going to make you shine. We edit your closet. We do some shopping for you that you can purchase now or purchase later. And I style the pieces you already have with anything new that you add. All of this is part of the personalized Style and Wardrobe Planning package. I'm signing clients for spring and you don't want me to get full and miss out. So if you'd like to get in the group or just get my time one-on-one, please let me know by emailing Scott at bellsouth.net or reaching out through any of my social media channels. Let's make you look your absolute best this spring. Well, welcome back to Midlife Moxie. We're talking with Carly Ann today. She's coming to us from the UK and we're talking about attachment styles. Amanda, are we way deep in the woods over here, Christina? Way deep. (laughs) I think I found mine. I think I found my husband's. You found yours. Um, You know, being Carly Ann, I wonder two things. These things are so deep set when they come from childhood, when they come from trauma, when they come from hurt mm-hmm. pain. Mm-hmm. You said it is possible to change them one. And I'd like to know the um uh, like like I find myself, and I don't know how you're going to describe this, that there is a disconnect between what I rationally know with my logical brain and the way my emotionally feel about it. Like I can have the conversation if I'm this anxious type about. You know, well, if they do leave you, it's probably not meant to be. And they have their flaws, too. And I can go to all those things with my logical brain. But my feelings about it are quite different. And the way my body, like, just, I don't know how to 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 explain that. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Do you know what I'm talking about, guys? Uh,
1: Yeah. Yes.
0: Because I'm smart. I got a lot of logic. And I can logic you all day. But then when it comes to me, those emotions are just... Painful.
2: Yeah, I, you know, I do this for work. I still fall into these patterns. Can I catch myself quicker? Yes. Can I come back home and like observe and gain perspective quicker? Yes. However, that took an awful lot of patience and an awful lot of tripping. You wouldn't believe how many people come to me. You know, I'm experiencing this anxiety or this avoidance. Let's fix it in three months. Mm. There has to be an awful lot of trust and patience, like I say, and slowness in the practices towards becoming more secure, because you cannot see well no, hold on, you can. Typically speaking, the results you want to see, as in this doesn't make me anxious or trigger me anymore, we don't tend to see that really, really quickly. But if we look, we can see the signs that we are moving towards more secure. Now, that might be that I was able to text 10 times instead of 20. <laughs> it might be that I was able to, you know, when you were saying about the morning, it took me a week to mourn instead of two weeks.
0: Mm. It
2: does start with these slight improvements. And probably if you look at yourselves with self-help and diving into this work, we can see the improvements, but are we exactly where we want to be? I mean, some in some cases, yes, if I look back five years ago, um, but things that I'm working on now, no, I, I'm still getting triggered in those areas.
1: So, so it's safe to say that this is an ongoing process, right? This is an ongoing thing that we need to be aware of. And so- what I want to know, number one, what's the, who's the hardest to work with? Like what, what attachment style is the hardest to work with? Number two, what's the first step? If somebody's like, you know, I see that I am in these quadrants and I- I'm tired of feeling this way. What are some actionable items that they can do in order for them to start moving towards Getting I don't want to say getting better, but just get it finding some relief.
2: Yeah. With the first question, who can be the most difficult? This will go back to earlier on when we were saying about do people with avoidant attachment get help? Mm -hmm. If we're thinking of extreme avoidance when they're in it, possibly not at that point. Anxious attachment, extreme, not so much in it as in there's no responsibility. Because that's when you're just in it, jealous, anxious, fighting, believing that they're the bad person, all my feelings are real. You haven't quite seen the, your role in that yet. By the time, though, the anxious person is becoming aware, this is only my experience. Other people that are working with extreme avoidance might disagree and say, no, that's much more difficult. But I tend to get people that are in the thick of it, just waking up to their anxiety um but still very very much merging in the moment so they can come to the session the tools the strategies we're talking about it in the moment they're still very much merging and their goal is to not be feeling the anxiety at all I don't want to be triggered it's urgent this should be working why isn't it working that can be really difficult and I to to support my client during that time and support them to to trust in what they can't see yet, you wouldn't believe how many people I work with that will message me um, asking for, what should I do in this situation? Even though we just spoke about this in your last session, it's it's gone. I need a new tool. Give me something new to make this work because that hasn't worked yet. Mm. But that can be a real struggle when they're still fully merging and it's not going at the pace that they want to yet.
1: Mm.
2: Wow! I'm like lots of
0: <laughs> I, I'm so overwhelmed over here. I don't know if I have more answers <laughs> or more questions at this point, but I'm.
2: <laughs> it, it's a. It's. I tell you what, if someone here listening can relate to the anxiety in that sense, um, that they'll feel it. They'll know. It, there's nothing like that, and I often find that. If I'm not saying you don't relate to it, but if there's elements where you don't, people with anxiety especially, it can be like, I don't get it. Like Why are you reacting like that? That makes no sense to me. Yeah. Um, and often with the anxious attachment, they feel very misunderstood because they don't fully understand their feelings, their emotions, their You know their part thoughts of the reason either. I feel misunderstood about it now that <laughs> I've been, been diagnosed
0: <laughs> here, I think part <laughs> of it is it's not all my fault. It's y'all's fault because the way y'all behave, Or is what makes me not trust you because I'm a rational person. I can put trust where trust is deserved. Um, But it's all you people who don't make it worthy of my trust and (laughs) you betrayed my trust. Then you've brought this on. So I'm kind of angry about
2: that. This is where it can be. This is where doing the work, right, brings up so many different feelings. And I think this is why many of us don't do it. Because it brings up the anger, it brings up the frustration towards others, also towards ourselves as well. And we often find any of the work, not just attachment, when we first start in this world, this is why we want to close the book on it. Because it's almost like we've got to go through that really rough patch, right? Mm -hmm. If you think Mm -hmm. of, I don't know if you guys um, do therapy, but initially when people go to therapy, they'll often talk. (laughs) Carol, we do a lot of therapy. (laughs) (laughs) they'll often talk about that right those early stages where it's just all of these like having to like almost relive through a heartbreak that you thought you was over but
0: I'm this way because of what outside people have done that's frustrating
2: yeah and I think we have to allow ourselves to feel that and then we if we can connect with compassion that if we look back and back and back this goes on for generations. So so let me ask you this if you have a certain
1: attachment style like I know that I I jump from well I feel like I've went from avoidant to anxious but sometimes I have a little bit of both depending on the situation do you have where people in relationships with each other kind of tend to draw closer to um people with the same attachment style or opposite attachment style like let's just say in a marriage because you know gail was talking about her husband being avoidant and she's more she is saying her words more anxious do you find that that typically happens in marriages or friendships or even business partners like help us to
2: understand that a little bit you hear an awful lot about the anxious avoidant dance Or the anxious avoidant trap, that is one perhaps a lot of therapists will see because they're, like I say, typically thought of almost like the opposite. Mm -hmm. Their needs within relationships, within conflict can differ from each other. That anxious person seeks closeness, that avoidant person is seeking space. They tend to exasperate each other. You know, the beliefs that they have around relationships and coping And their strategies, it's not that it doesn't work, because like I say, we can work on it and we can heal. That's the one that's typically um information is seeked out about the most in terms of healing. Um, because obviously secure and secure, that's the dream one. That's the dream. Um, but it's not the reality for a lot of people, you know. Anxious and secure, avoidant and secure, they they can all work. Anxious, they've got different tendencies amongst them and I hate this word, but it's what's coming to me. So, rather success rates, if you like, um, is going to differ. So, typically speaking, avoidant-avoidant probably don't get off the ground. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Anxious Mm -hmm. and anxious can there can be a lot of conflict. (laughs) uh, You know, a lot of jealousy amongst them, uh, controlling amongst them, which can work if they both agree with it. But anxious-avoidant is the one that we hear about a lot, like. uh, I get asked about the most, dating and in relationships. Mm -hmm, mm
0: -hmm. I would think anxious would be the ones who probably are the most motivated to fix the situation. And and part of like my coping mechanisms are to avoid the pain, but instead of just always going to avoid it, I also go to um, confrontation. Like... I'm going to figure this out, and I'm going to find out, are, are we not what I thought? And you need to explain this behavior to me and this way because I'm very, very sensitive to tone. Christine will tell you that. I had to say one day, do not speak to me like that because she said something just off the cuff, and I'm like... But I was kind of proud of myself that instead of just getting mad or causing an argument, I just drew a boundary. And I've learned mm-hmm. to say to my husband, when you... <laughs> I know you like he he doesn't realize sometimes he's moody and when he's somewhere else in his head, he might be short. And he um, he also tends to misplace emotion. So like when he's upset about something at work or something with a certain person, he will only discharge emotion in very safe places or in Places that are safe because they're very distant, like um, somebody publicly that and he's normally not rude or anything in public. So he acts out. I know there's something stewing. Um, but I also have had to say to him, you know, you are being moody. I don't you've said it this way. I don't like that tone. And he's usually very kind. So it's kind of sticks out when he's that way. And he doesn't even notice. But yeah, I'm very sensitive to it. And if you're short with me or you don't have time for me or you're not, even um, the, the cadence with which you communicate with me, like if you haven't called for a while, not checked in, I'm measuring that. I keep up with that at all times. And those are all the indicators and the assessments I've put in place so that I can stay, I can meter my emotions based on those things. Really weaving a web over here, aren't I, Carly? (laughs) In
2: it's I honestly. This is how you see it, though. You know, tone of voice, eye contact. This, these are the really subtle uh, ways of communicating that people are absolutely making decisions based on, and their nervous system is reacting to. Yours is conscious now, so perhaps, perhaps further down the line, you might hear a tone of voice. And um, before making assumptions or predictions, you might find that there's a time where you catch yourself and realize, oh, it doesn't necessarily mean X, Y, and Z.
0: You might find I that. I do start to tell um, myself does, it's not about me.
2: Yeah. And I'll mm-hmm. say yeah, what huge. the hell's wrong
0: with you or what's really going on with you. I have, I have learned to ask those questions and make that assessment. And not, because I think when we're yeah. immature in this and when we're new to this, we assume everything's about us. I think that's a... Mistake we make probably for all the attachment styles. No.
2: Yeah, oh, and and then we have to be, we have to think about how we trigger each other. Because let's say you're with an avoidant person. This is just an example. You're with an avoidant person, and you say to them, "What the hell is going on with you?" That can then trigger their avoidance. Because you're the people that you're set like that trigger you. We also trigger them. They come with their own templates and their own triggers. And this is where it can be really challenging, right? Because my anxiety wants to reach out. It wants you to answer these questions now. And that can trigger the other person. And then we've got these two triggered people. The anxious person quite often will want things fixed now and they want it their way. And there's a lot of negative assumptions around how the other person's behaving, thinking, etc., cetera, etc., cetera. And, of course, the avoidant person often wants that. I'm just anxious avoidant, I'm thinking here. The avoidant person often wants that space. And so either what we see is the anxious person can be quite controlling if they happen to have the other person who is going to react to that, um, a people pleaser, doesn't want to upset you, or have you got the avoidant person that's going to be the one in control? You know, I'm taking space, i think space, Christine I'm and I both
0: exhibit that anxious element with our <laughs> spouses because when we think they're a certain way we're the girls that follow them through the house going what's going on what are you thinking about what happened why are you because I, I i know i can because i want to get down and resolve it because i can't be at peace until it's resolved or at least i'm confident it has nothing to do with me and i know christine i've seen you exhibit that
1: no I I do, but I I know that my husband is as avoidant, and now that I know that, I've I've been able to allow space because mm-hmm. he needs he needs the space, and he you know what's ha- funny, he has to have that. When I have allowed yeah. the space,
0: oftentimes my husband will circle back. Yes, and he will yeah. say. Well, I did have something on my mind or he'll confess mm-hmm. to, well, this was bothering me. And I'm like, why didn't you just say so in the first place? Because I can tell when I, I know, I mean, my sensitivity is high and I know when something's yeah. on somebody's mind and I'm like, why don't you just say it in the first place? But I've had to learn, just give him some space till he gets ready and then he'll talk about it. But it does make me anxious waiting for it to come up for him to. say whatever it
2: is yeah that's why so much of the healing work is around so much of it is around how do we come back to focus on ourselves because especially that anxious person when they're triggered when they're activated everything goes and think about it you know when we're in that state of survival, we go to what's the threat. And the threat is that negative prediction that we're making about this relationship, about how this is about to end or, or whatever it might be that you're negatively predicting. Right. And that becomes the focus and fixing it becomes usually that someone's upset with
0: me or someone's feeling a certain way about me. But this is very interesting because I can clearly see this as you're saying it. My husband being avoidant, his fear. Is talking about those feelings and getting in that. So I'm trying to mm-hmm. force him to do what he fears most. Yeah, yeah, that is fascinating. So I just need to have.
2: <laughs> and it is, it is as I think when we think of someone triggered, we think of panic. And so they don't seem triggered. But if we looked inside and we did all the tests, they're triggered. There is stress hormones going on, but theirs is displayed through disconnecting from those feelings almost. But inside, that stress is there, but how they feel it, how they connect with it is, is different. It's different, yeah. And so they tend to disconnect, kind of shut down, if you like. But they are still triggered. It's just that, <laughs> you it's know, a Christine, different I think that you and I
0: can see they're triggered. And not only do we want to make sure it's not about us, but we also want to make sure our partner's okay. We want to fix it for them. We want to make well, it. So okay. you know what's great?
2: <laughs> what's great is to say, I'm I like I get that this is going on, but I'm making up the story that I've really upset you. And then they can perhaps let you know, like that's not the reality, but I need do need some time. Maybe they'll tell you it is. C- can you handle that with the anxiety? I'm not sure. It doesn't um, matter what they the say. Work. I'm
0: probably going to go ahead and assume. I, I'm yeah, still, so until you tell me way- something different, I'm going to be assuming you're irritated with me because your your action, your tone, your words, whatever, was towards me. So why wouldn't my brain say this is about me? Because the action was about me because I think I'm fairly good at putting my emotion towards the person who should be the recipient. So I have a hard time understanding people who put their emotion towards someone else. So that's why I have a hard time understanding if you have a certain emotion or tone with me, my brain says it's about me because that's the way I tend to behave.
2: Does that make sense? So a lot of, it does make sense and sometimes the work isn't around coming up with an alternative that it's not about you, because if it is about you, if you have done something to annoy your partner, that that happens, right? It's more about, do I know I'm going to be okay? Do I know that I'm safe? Even if I have upset another human being, am I able to understand that that doesn't mean I'm about to be left or hurt or probably looking at your past experience, um, excluded, whatever it is. Am I able to understand that, Yes, they're annoyed at me, and that is okay. This is going to unfold. We we forget so much, and we see this a lot again with the anxious, that the repair of a conflict is just as important for a relationship. That repair, that we're going to be okay, even in this rupture, even whilst we're having this fight. Can I step back whilst there's a conflict going on, Without chasing, maybe not initially. By the way, you you might um, benefit from looking up the protest behaviors. Look at the Mm. protest behaviors. If we've got time to talk about it, we can. But it's the different ways that we react when that anxiety is triggered. I think that's a second episode,
0: (laughs) Carly-Ann.
2: Yeah. (laughs) We can have a a whole series, can't we? (laughs) Um, Yeah, it's not about can I convince myself they're not mad at me? Because they might be. Or that they're not gonna reject me because maybe you're right, maybe they are mid-ghosting.
1: Mm-hmm. Well,
2: but how do I know that I'm still worthy, mm-hmm. that I'm okay? It's okay if I've upset someone. You know, if I'm it doesn't make me a
1: bad person. One of the things that I have had to do, and I think that this is mm, a really healthy way uh, being anxious, uh, is taking a step back and saying, Okay, Christina is this a, is this really your stuff to take on is it yours to take on or do i need to let it lie with him you know and if i need to let it lie with him then it's okay and it'll circle back but that is really challenging for somebody who is in that mm-hmm. in that anxiousness but it has Because I want to fix it and move on. I'm going to be anxious right. until it's fixed. Even if it doesn't. But it's have not anything our job to, do to fix. Me. Sometimes.
0: Oh, but and we that's have
1: that's to. that's holding the space, right? So, oh, yeah. So, so much. This is good. On... I feel like
0: we've just scratched the surface, Carly. And so, would you be willing to come back for a second episode? <laughs> yeah,
2: absolutely, absolutely. <laughs> now that we're She's identifying this, we're going to figure out what too to much. do with
0: it. <laughs> She's like these people need more <laughs> there's, therapy.
2: <laughs> there's so much to talk about. Like it's and it's so nuanced as well. This whole topic. So I can say a hundred times in a podcast interview that we don't fit into one of these boxes. Mm. You know, you can absolutely see yourself move across them for sure.
0: Mm. Oh gosh. Mm. We appreciate your wisdom expertise. I feel like our um, listeners are probably mulling on this the same way we are. This may be an episode you have to listen to more than once, but we're going to get you scheduled to come back and get into these protest behaviors and, um, you know, how we do do some healing and get to more healthy spaces. So we really appreciate you um, just coming and sharing because this is and- something totally new to me.
1: And where can they find you, Carly-Ann, if, they, if they're like, man, I, I, I think I need some help in these arenas. Where can they find you?
2: Yeah, I'm most active on Instagram. So that's Carly.AnnNoE um, underscore. YouTube as well. That is slowly building educational videos more than anything else about anxious and avoidant. And um, a podcast as well, Lessons in Love you know the earlier series aren't so much about attachment you'll see how i've transitioned into more attachment theme
0: okay so we'll put all that in the show notes because i know i didn't catch all that but it'll be in the show notes and we'll look forward to getting you back so christina what do we always say
1: until next time go and get your moxie on bye now Bye. bye